the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for. That's according to John 10.10 where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Real life is found in an active daily relationship with God and Jesus came to make that relationship possible because it's all about Him. Pastor Sean is moving through the book of Philippians in the New Testament where we continue this series called Under Construction. The message is called The Power of Unity. An outline of this message can be found at reallife.org under the sermon's archive link. You can also download this entire series for free or sign up for the podcast, but do that later. Let's get right into the Word, and this is Real Life Radio. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Philippians. We're continuing our series called Under Construction. Saw that Paul said, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And the whole book begins with that simple but powerful message, grace and peace. And I wish we'd use that greeting more to one another. Grace and peace. Paul opens every letter with it. It is the cornerstone, I think. He is capsulizing the gospel in this powerful little phrase. It's not just words to say like, hey, how you doing? No, the gospel is summed up in grace and peace. Remember what we said? Peace is our destination. Isn't that what God's all about? Peace with God, peace with one another. That's what he's doing. But grace is how we get there. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's how we come into peace with God. That's how our sins are dealt with. That's how we're, we open that door to relationship because of grace, his amazing grace. But it's not just salvation. It's not just at the beginning we experience grace, but it's how we live the Christian life. Because the scripture said, he who began a good work will bring it to completion. His presence in us. It's not about me doing my very best to be Christ-like. It is about me doing my very best to get out of the way so Jesus in me can be Christ-like. Subtle difference. But Jesus working in the context of our lives because we recognize His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ is at work in us when we begin to follow Jesus. Now, I told you in the beginning that Paul had a real pleasure in writing this letter to the Philippians. He wasn't, this was one where he didn't have to deal with heresy, any huge big things. There is an issue, however, that he does deal with. And it's kind of just a verse, a mention in chapter 4, but it's worth looking at because of what we're going to talk about this morning. In chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, this is what Paul writes. He says, now remember, he's just writing this letter of encouragement and teaching to the Philippians, and he says, here, these couple little verses, I plead with Judea and plead with Sintechi to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellows, help these women who've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So there's two women who were significant in the founding of the church, who were significant leaders and help and, and significant ministers alongside of Paul who now have a problem. And they have a disagreement that is deep enough. Now, remember, Paul's in prison, okay? 
Epaphroditus brings, brings word and brings news to Paul, brings some support that they're giving and tells him what's going on. And Paul feels in this short little four chapter letter that he has to stop and deal with this. That's how significant this little rift was. And it lets us know that division in the body of Christ is a big deal. It wasn't critical at this point. He doesn't take the whole book and talk about it. But Paul knew it could become. Division is devastating in the context of the body of Christ. And it can mess up a church and it can keep a church from being what it's supposed to be. Now, remember last week, Paul told what we called the rest of the story. Remember, they knew he was in prison. They were scared about that. And he tells them, but here's what God's doing. Remember what we saw? Adversity doesn't get the final word, right? Difficult circumstances don't get the final word. Difficult people don't get the final word. Death itself doesn't get the final word. That's what he shared with them last week. And from there we pick up. Now, he's been talking about this adversity. He's been talking about how God's doing work in spite of it. And then he says these words to them. Verse chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, there's some interesting words here that we need to stop if we're going to understand the full color and kind of the textures of what he's saying. That word conduct, the King James says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. The Greek word for your conduct, let your, whatever happens, conduct yourselves or conduct, that Greek word for that or conversation is politeo, which is where we get our word politics or politician it really has the meaning of your conduct as a citizen or as a colony this is important because remember what i told you the first week when we started how philippi had this strong roman presence this strong roman um outlook remember there was a some battles i told you i didn't go into detail in 42 bc that had kind of led to philippi being this little roman kind of more than an outpost with this Roman representation in the East. Well, 42 BC, right after Julius Caesar was assassinated, there was a civil war, and it was right outside of Philippi. And the characters were Octavian, who we know probably more as Caesar Augustus, and Mark Antony, and they confronted the assassins of Caesar, Brutus of Etu Brute fame, Cassius, And those two were on one side, and you have Octavian, Mark Anthony on the other. I think Liz Taylor helped out. I don't know her role, but she was there, definitely. That joke works every time. He was old. But there's this huge civil war, and just because of the politics and the geography of the time, it happened right outside this city, this Macedonian city of Philippi. And Octavian, Augustus, and Mark Antony were victorious. They won big. And in a gregarious move, which was not necessarily uncommon that there would be some type of blessing, they do something that was a little uncommon. They bestow on the whole city of Philippi Roman citizenship. This is a big deal. I mean, that launched you into a place where all kinds of other peoples under the Roman Empire, they didn't have that privilege. Not only do they do that, but they begin to reward their veteran soldiers and officers by land grants there around Philippi. And what they're doing is they're colonizing Philippi. And so over the years, they continue to do this. Philippi becomes this little center of Rome. About 10 years later, Octavian has a civil war against Mark Anthony. You know, it's kind of how the Romans worked. And he wins. He becomes what we know as Caesar Augustus. 
Philippi has got this placement now. There's all this Roman influence. There's all these former Roman soldiers and their families who are living. It becomes the little kind of Rome of the East. And by the time of Paul's writing, they're proud of that fact. They are a significant city. They became kind of a big deal because of this Roman culture, this Roman politic of theirs, the way they've been colonized. And now Paul is saying to them, the city that was so proud of their heritage and their placement, he's saying, remember, you're part of another politic. You're part of another kingdom. Conduct yourselves, whatever happens, as people worthy of the gospel. You're part of a different group. You're not just Philippians, Romans. You're Christians. And the gospel, grace and peace, should change how you live and conduct yourselves. And and what's funny is when you think about we Americans, we've kind of enjoyed over the last hundred or so years a place of prominence in the world that has risen. And it's not so politically correct to say so, but we used to say, and many would still say, it's the greatest nation on earth, the United States. And by some objective criteria of wealth and power, we have been. We've enjoyed that status. And it has influenced who we are. We're Americans, and there's a patriotic bend in us. And what Paul is saying to the Philippians, he would also say to us, but don't ever forget you're not just Americans, because America will come and go, as nations do. You are citizens of an eternal kingdom. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. There are certain things that we do as Americans that the gospel says, but we've got to do a little differently. There are certain norms and practices and things that we bring to the table that are the American way that the gospel says, but there's something different. It's a different response. And that's what the Philippians are experiencing. That he's saying to them, you can't just do kind of your Philippian Roman thing. You have to remember there's something bigger. He's using very loaded words there. Now, there's another phrase that he uses, that phrase worthy of the gospel. And to some of us, we might look at that and go, whoa, 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 time. In the whole message of the gospel, we're not worthy? Is this some sort of works theology? What's, being, what's happening here? The gospel is grace and peace. Jesus Christ saving me and restoring me to the right standing with God that I was created for and right standing with my brothers and sisters in Christ and then Jesus living through me. That's the gospel. That's grace and peace. What is this worthy of the gospel? We have to stop and understand something. The gospel, I'm not saved by my works. The whole point is I can't be good enough. I can't do good enough to earn righteousness before God. That's the condition we find ourselves in. But... Understand something. When we do receive Christ as Savior, when His Spirit does begin to work in us and dwell in us, it does definitely change our behavior. It's not like I change my behavior and then I'm saved. That's called legalism. That's called the works theology. That's dead. But what it is, I am saved. I am filled with His presence and Spirit. And now all of a sudden, my conduct does change. I begin to live differently because of grace and peace. You are listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. And let's take a short break in this message called The Power of Unity with a study in the book of Philippians. You can find this message at reallife.org under the sermon's archive link. Plus, see all the upcoming events happening at River City Community Church, including the details on a live simulcast featuring Beth Moore. That's happening on April 24th called So Long Insecurity. Again, all the information is at reallife.org. 
Here's a little more information on River City Community Church. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more, almost as though something is missing? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel they're settling for a whole lot less than real life. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better, we call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us on this journey to discover the life we were made for. We're located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and Jones Maltzberger. Sundays we meet at 8, 9.30, and 11.15 a.m. River City, New Braunfels meets at the McKenna Event Center on San Antonio Street at 10.30 a.m. Together we enjoy great music, practical teaching, and ministries for all the kids. For more information, check us out on the web at reallife.org. We look forward to seeing you on the road to real life. Welcome back. And we return to this message from Pastor Sean Azaro called The Power of Unity as he's teaching from Philippians chapter 1, now into verse 27. And this is Real Life Radio. So that's what Paul is saying. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now he gives a picture of what this life would look like. He gives a very brief kind of synopsis of, okay, here's how you should be different. Continuing in verse 27. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. He brings out three very important uh, distinguishing marks of the the life marked by the gospel. We stand firm, we stand together, and we stand without fear. Those three things. We stand firm, we stand together, and we stand without fear. Because he talks about, don't be afraid of those who oppose you. I'm going to unpack those in a little bit, but I just wanted to note that he gives in that very brief verse, he gives some real powerful implications of this life in the gospel. It's how people of the good news handle adversity. He goes on and says this about those who oppose you. He says, this is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you'll be saved and that by God. How is it a sign that we stand firm together without fear? Because people recognize there's something different about these people. And and we understand this idea that righteous behavior in the life of an individual, in the life of a believer, can definitely create a conviction And a negative reaction from those who are choosing not to walk that path. And he's saying, it'll be a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but you'll be saved in that by God. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Listen to that word. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Granted to you to suffer. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. We're going to need to unpack that in a minute because those are two words that I wouldn't necessarily use together. It's been granted to you. I'm expecting something good to suffer. What sort of masochistic thing have we gotten ourselves into here? I mean, really, Paul's in jail. Is it just misery loves company? What, what, what's going on here? I think we're going to see there's more to it than that. Continue on into chapter 2. He says these couple verses. He says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, in other words, if you have anything of Christ's presence in you and the experience of the life of the gospel, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. If you're not united with Christ, 
You've got to be united with one another. That's what he's saying. The unity of the church, folks, is a big deal. Paul gives that really as the secret of being able to stand firm, being able to be without fear, this unity. We are one. And understand, when we start to really get this grace and peace thing down in our hearts and lives, it makes unity easier. Because I recognize the things that normally divide us where I'm like trying to say I'm better than you. Yeah, at the cross, you know, you've heard the old saying, at the cross, the ground is level, right? Because of grace. We're all here by grace. How can I possibly believe anything about grace? How can I understand grace at all and sit and go, but I'm better than you? Yeah, see, because I know I'm messed up and I need grace, but you're messed up way worse. Okay, yeah, I mean, no, you're, you, that guy back there, he's screwed up. I mean, seriously, I'm, I got to be better than him, right? No, the gospel is all about, no, no, no. Apart from God, we are all lost. It's not us and them when it comes to the gospel, it's just us. All of us. And grace all of a sudden creates an environment where I am now willing to see you as in the same boat as me. And it's supposed to create in us a unity of the gospel. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It is supposed to be the earmark of the church. I've said it before. People are supposed to drive by, see us out on the patio and go, oh yeah, those, those, those Christians. Yeah, I don't get them completely. I just know they just love each other. Oh, those church people, they love each other. I mean, you know, you go over there, it's all about love. That's supposed, Jesus said, this is how they're going to know you. you know, not, not by people, oh, you carry your Bibles. That's good. Oh, those are the people that like to sing songs. Fine to sing songs. Oh, those are the people that sermons. They just love sermons. Look at them. They line up for them. That's, that's not it. It's not people. Oh, those are the people who go to church on Sunday. Oh, those are the people who don't drink, don't dance, don't smoke, don't go with girls who chew or do, right? <laughs> Did he say that in the platform right here in the sanctuary? What? With, what with no dignity at all? All those things, it's not where it's supposed to be known. But Jesus said, this is how they're going to know you. Your love for one another. I want my people to be known as the people who just love you. They're so unified because they love each other. It's a bond of love one with another. In John 17, 22, he says, I've given them glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. There is this one spirit one, uh, in, 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 chap, in chapter 127 of Philippians. We just read it. He said, standing firm in one spirit. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, we read it. Being one in spirit and purpose. There is this bond that happens. It's described, you know, people who've served in the military, in the military together, particularly in combat, have talked about the, of this foxhole experience that bonds them. Have you ever had that with someone? A foxhole experience, something that bonds you together. We're supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be people who are bonded by this grace and this love so that no matter how different we are, there's something. One of the great gifts God gave us at the beginning of this ministry was our friendship with Willie and Rachel Mayfield. And they, I, you got to know, Willie and I, we, I love that man. We are dear friends. We are different, like a lot, okay? Very different. Willie loves to hunt and kill things. I mean, he's just a thing he likes to do. He's got friends. We've got lots of guys here. They love to hunt. That's not so much for me, okay? I'm like, I'm not angry at that deer. Run free. 
now, I'll admit, I like eating. I'm, I agree with them. You know, salad is what you feed food, okay? I understand that concept. So I like that part. I just don't, it's, you know, I grew up on a farm. We had to kill animals, but it was just something you had to do. It wasn't like recreation. He loves that stuff. Not so much for me. I love music. I like the theater. There, I said it. I like the theater. One time, Willie went, Rachel wanted to go so bad. Willie went with us. I think it was Le Miserable. And, you know, to his credit, God bless him. He went and he, w- and he went through the whole thing. I think he was awake most of the time. It was, it was great. Great experience. But it's like, I see him at the theater. I'm like, there's nothing to shoot here. Nothing. I mean, yes, there's some, you get a shrieky soprano. I, I want to take her out, but not with it. Nothing lethal. Paintball gun or something, you know, just, just stop the pain, stop the suffering. But, but no. It's just different. You know what I'm saying? But we have walked through... Our bond is not that we like to do all the same things. It's not that we have all the same common interests. The bond is we've walked through fire and grace together. And that does something to you when you walk through grace together. It's like a foxhole. When you realize what God's done... And it changes you. And that's supposed to be the bond. That's what we're supposed to be experiencing. The problem is the bond within the unity within the church of Jesus Christ is under assault today. We have so embraced some of the surrounding kind of culture that we now will be divided over the dumbest things. We'll be divided over, over doctrine that... Theologians haven't been able to figure it out for a thousand years. Like, we're going to figure it out now? I mean, seriously, we will let... Uh, there are some things that do divide us. I understand. There's certain truths that make us who we are. And that's fine. But sometimes there's truth. There are, you know, John Calvin had his deal. Arminius had his deal. And there are entire churches that won't even talk to each other because of the theology of these two theologians. And our... I'm on one side of the fence. I'm on the other. That's just stupid. Because it's as though I, in all my wisdom, have it all figured out. So what arrogance is that? That I think I have it so figured out that I won't fellowship with those people who I fully would believe we're going to be in eternity together. We're going to, we're going to, they're, they're Christians. They put their faith in Jesus, just like I do. But no, no, I can't fellowship with them because I've got the theology just perfectly wrapped up. And they don't. But what about spiritual gifts? No, the way I view spiritual gifts, I've got it the perfect way. And those people up the road over there, they don't have it the perfect way. So I can't fellowship with them. We will allow the most unbelievable things to separate us. And and I don't think it's, I don't think that's really the focus. It's why are we so prone to it? It's not that those, it's because there's lots of different things they can divide. Music. Churches have had devastating splits and earthquakes over music. Why Sean playing the piano? I thought guitar was more experience than piano. We should have, we don't have piano. That's traditional. We don't need that. We need more guitar. Cullen, he's playing electric guitar. He's playing two rockets. I can't believe him. That offends me. I mean, seriously, over musical preference, we've had people, you know, split churches. I'm not talking about music that honors Jesus versus music that honors the devil. Okay? We're not talking about that. We're talking about all music that honors Jesus, but I just don't like that style. And it's fine. You don't have to like that style. You like country. You like jazz. You like rock. It's just fine. It's preference. Why would we let preference split us when we're supposed to have been through the foxhole of grace together? And we're supposed to be one. That's what Jesus prayed, that we would be one. 
just like he and Father are one. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what he's trying to communicate. There is supposed to be this bond. We don't understand grace and peace if we'll just let anything divide us. Paul is basically saying this. If you're taking notes, write it down. The church is best when the church is one. The church is best when the church is one. That's what we were created to be. The church is best when the church is one. We're going right now through an audit. We've hired an accounting firm to, do, to audit our financials. Up to this point, we've had an in-house accountant who goes to church here who's overseen our finances. But we're getting to the size now that it's time to start having audited financials. And so we're doing that process right now. One of the questions they had for me is, who's your competition? Satan. I mean, that, you know, that's my competition. That's who I'm going toe-to-toe with, right? I mean, in, in that, as the church, that's who supposed to be our competition. And, you know, these are good guys. They get it. They're not, they're, they understand. But I, I saw that and I just recoiled because I know what he means. For the people, church attenders in San Antonio... Who is your competition? They want me to say the church across the street, the church up the road. They are not my competition. The church is at its best when the church is one. They're part of me. You've been listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, where you're invited to visit. The church is located at the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Redland Road, just inside Loop 1604. The Sunday morning service times of 8, 9 30. 1115 and there's also a campus in New Braunfels. They meet at 1030. All the details and directions are at the website reallife.org and there you'll also find a free download of this message as we'll hear part two of The Power of Unity next week right here on this station. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and hope you join us next time for more Real Life. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.